listening to the sermon podcast of Brockport First Baptist. We are a progressive American Baptist congregation located about 20 minutes outside of Rochester, New York. To learn more about our church and support our ministries, please visit BrockportFirstBaptist.org. Today's scripture lesson, if you are a fan of Lord of the Rings, it holds nothing to this. So hold on to your seat. In the first year of King Belshazzar of Babylon, Daniel had a dream and visions of his head as he lay in bed. And then he wrote down the dream. I, Daniel, saw in my vision by night the four winds of heaven stirring up the great sea, and four great beasts came up out of the sea, different from one another. The first was like a lion and had eagle's wings. Then, as I watched, its wings were plucked off, and it was lifted up from the ground and made to stand on two feet, like a human being, and a human mind was given to it. Another beast appeared, a second one, that looked like a bear. It was raised up on one side and had three tusks in its mouth among its teeth and was told, Arise, devour many bodies. After this, as I watched, another appeared, like a leopard, The beast had four wings of a bird on its back and four heads, and dominion was given to it. After this, I saw in the visions by night a fourth beast, terrifying and dreadful and exceedingly strong. It had great iron teeth and was devouring, breaking in pieces and stamping what was left with its feet. It was different from all the beasts that had preceded it, and it had ten horns. I was considering the horns when another horn appeared, a little one coming up among them to make room for it. Three of the earlier horns were plucked up by the roots. There were eyes like human eyes in this horn and a mouth speaking arrogantly. As I watched, thrones were set in place and an ancient one took his throne. His clothing was as white as snow and the hair of his head was like pure wool. His throne was a fiery flames and its wheels were burning fire. A stream of fire issued and flowed out from his presence. A thousand thousand served him, and ten thousand times ten thousand stood attending him. The court sat in judgment, and the books were opened. I watched then because of the noise of the arrogant words that the horn was speaking. And as I watched, the beast was put to death, and his body destroyed and given over to be burned with fire. And as for the rest of the beast, their dominion was taken away but their lives were prolonged for a season and a time. As I watched in the night visions, I saw one like a human being coming from the clouds of heaven, and he came to the Ancient One and was presented before him. To him was given dominion and glory and kingship, that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion that shall not pass away. This kingship is one that shall never be destroyed. As for me, Daniel, my spirit was troubled within me, and the visions of my head terrified me. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks Thanks be be to God. God. Thanks for that reading, Dick. Good job. What is Dan going to do with this one? 
I gotta say, it is really good to be back here with all of you. Um, you have no idea, preaching to an empty sanctuary was getting super old. Um, now I just gotta remember to like look up here and down here. I think my neck will probably have a creak in it by the end of this, but I don't want the folks at home to feel left out, so, so I'm gonna be going, doing both. Um, let's see. We're starting a new teaching series today, and it's actually the second half of a teaching series we did back in the beginning of the year on the book of Daniel. Um, Daniel's a strange book, as, as we just heard. Um, it's, it's different from a lot of the other books in the Bible, um, and one of the things that makes the book of Daniel unique is it's a book that divides really evenly right down the center. First half of Daniel, uh, chapters 1 to 6, are all stories, many of them classic Bible stories. Uh, you've got Daniel in the lion's den, that's one, uh, you know, about an elderly man who's thrown to a hungry pack of lions. Um, there's another story, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, about three refugees being thrown into an oven. You know, children's stuff, Sunday school <laughs> stories. Um, huh. That's the first half of the book, though. Then the second half of the book of Daniel um, is made up of dreams and visions, really trippy dreams and visions. We call the first half of this series Faith in Exile. We're calling the second half, this half for the next six weeks, Daniel the Weird Stuff. <laughs> and now I realize um, not all of us have been following along with the online services. Um, that's totally cool. If you miss any of those teachings on the first half of Daniel and you want to go back and listen, they're on the website uh, on the teachings page. You can listen to them there. Um, but for, for everyone's sake and for the rest of us, um, I still want to do a little refresher just to kind of reorient us to this book real quick. <clears throat> this is an image, or really more of like a, a graph, that we used in our very first sermon on Daniel back on uh, January 13th. This basically is a visual representation of uh, Old Testament history, the story of God's people in the Bible. And as you can see, it is bookended by two incredibly traumatic events the Exodus and the exile. Now, most of us know the Exodus story, right? Most of us have heard that one. If you watched the Ten Commandments on TV last weekend for Easter, or if you've ever seen the Prince of Egypt, you've heard this story. This is Moses and the parting of the Red Sea, the Ten Plagues, the Ten Commandments. Um, that story where God's people, after spending 400 years enslaved to the Egyptians, come out of slavery only to wander through the desert for another 40 years. That's the Exodus story. And then for about 500 years, you get this orange section in the chart where God's people are in the land. They're in the promised land. They build homes for themselves. They have a temple. They have a monarchy. They have the priests and the prophets. All that gory Old Testament stuff we love so much. That's the orange part of this. And then all of that comes to an end with the exile. In the year 586 B.C., the Babylonian army conquered Jerusalem, slaughtered about half the people, burned the temple to the ground, and carried the surviving Jewish refugees into exile in Babylon. Geographically, think like Iraq, roughly. That's Babylon. Does this make sense, though? This history? We are here. <laughs> you are here. The exile. The book of Daniel takes place during the exile. Daniel and his friends are Jewish refugees living in exile in Babylon. They've lost everything. 
Uh, They're forced to work for the very king who destroyed their people. They're forced to take on new Babylonian names, new language, new cultures and customs. And they're trying to navigate what it looks like, one, to survive, but two, just to live faithfully in exile. That's the book of Daniel. So when we read these dreams and visions, these are the dreams and visions of refugees yearning to go home. That's what we're looking at for the next six weeks. Heavy stuff. But with all that out of the way, let's talk about this really strange dream, the first of these visions uh, in Daniel 7. Dick, you did a really nice job uh, reading the passage. I'm not going to reread it because I don't really think that would help. Um, But I do want to do a bit of a recap just so we understand the dream and kind of have a hold of the visual. So Daniel 7 starts out... This Jewish refugee in Babylon named Daniel has a dream where he's sitting by the sea and he sees four beasts, four monsters, four like mutant animals coming out of the the waves. Um, I think we actually have another picture of it. Um, Next slide. I don't know if this is more helpful, but my goodness. Somebody made this. Like someone, someone read Daniel 7 and took the time I I can't even. Anyway, so the the first beast, the first beast is a lion with the wings of an eagle. The second beast is a bear with three tusks in its mouth. The third beast is a leopard with four heads and wings. And the fourth beast is this almost like alien, otherworldly dragon of sorts that's got iron teeth, ten horns. One of the horns is covered with eyes. Maybe you've had dreams like this before. <laughs> like, no, no judgment at all. This might be, like, a standard thing for you. I miss the 60s, though, so this is a little strange. This is a little strange for me. In this dream, these, these beasts emerge from the sea. <clears throat> They're tearing up the land, destroying everything. Daniel looks up to the heavens and he sees the Ancient One, the Ancient of Days. That is a really old way of talking about God. So the Ancient of Days is God. We know that one. You can check that box. Daniel sees God coming in the heavens. God just straight up kills the fourth beast, very Old Testament. And then God takes all authority and power from the other three beasts and hands it over to the human one. One like a son of man, if you translate it literally. God appoints a human being, a son of man, who then rises up on the clouds to take a a seat of of honor and pass judgment over the beasts, establishing a kingdom that lasts forever. That's the dream. Are we tracking so far? I know we have no clue what it means, but do we at least understand, like, the visual? I'm seeing some nodding and some confused faces, so we'll just go with it. Now... This dream, like any dream we find in the Bible, um, is just loaded with symbolism. Every little detail means something, and often it means like five or six different things, depending on who's interpreting it. I want to show you a few of these. Um, The lion with eagle's wings, that's Babylon, the kingdom that conquered Jerusalem. Uh, That would have been super obvious to the original audience. The national symbol of Babylon was a lion with wings, usually with a human head, a human mind was given to it. So like these Jewish refugees would have seen statues like this everywhere. They would have gotten that one. That's Babylon. You've also got this four-headed leopard 
which ah, snuck up on me, four-headed leopard, which is probably Greece. There's different interpretations of this, but um, if you know any of your Greek history, there was this guy named Alexander the Great who conquered the world for Greece, and then he died, and his kingdom was split in four parts, given to his four generals who became four kings, four heads. Do you see how you can really get lost in the weeds, figuring out what every little detail means? I don't want to do that. I don't want to like super analyze this dream because personally, I'm more concerned with the big picture of what does this actually mean? What are we supposed to do with this? The good news for us is um, Daniel's just as confused by this dream as us, which is comforting. Um, so in the dream, he's still dreaming. He approaches an angel who happens to be on the scene, and he asks the angel for an interpretation. We're getting a dream being interpreted within its own dream. That's like some inception-level dream interpretation. Let's read it, though. Uh, We're going to start in verse 15, right where we ended. This is the interpretation. As for me, Daniel, my spirit was troubled within me, and the visions of my head terrified me. I approached one of the attendants to ask him the truth concerning all this, so he said that he would disclose to me the interpretation of the matter. As for these four great beasts, four kings shall arise out of the earth, but the holy ones of the Most High shall receive the kingdom and possess the kingdom forever, forever and ever. So these four beasts are four kings, or we could also read it, four kingdoms, that are going to rule over the land and dominate God's people until God finally brings deliverance and God's people receive the kingdom forever. Now, there's been all sorts of interpretations of this dream, what that means, what kingdoms we're talking about. Normally, like the normal thing that's done is whatever kingdom you don't like, that's the kingdom that the beasts are. So like um, during the Cold War, if you were an American Christian reading this, the beasts were like Russia and China. Um, If you were a Russian Christian, the beast was America. Um, During World War II, it was, you know, Germany, Japan, Italy. You get the idea of how this dream usually gets interpreted. But historically speaking, like in Daniel's day, if we want to read this text well, the interpretation that would make the most sense back then are the four kingdoms that ruled over God's people during the exile. Babylon, Persia, Greece, and Rome. Babylon, Persia, Greece, and Rome. History lesson today. You weren't expecting this, were you? If you read this part of the Bible, though, if you read Daniel and then keep going to, like, Jesus' day in the New Testament, you're going to encounter four empires that rule over God's people. Babylon, Persia, Greece, and Rome. These are the imperial beasts who enslave God's people for centuries. And this dream is telling us that these beasts are going to have their way. They're going to rule for a time until God shows up to shut them down and give their authority to a human one, one like a son of man. Who is the son of man? People are laughing already. It it might not be exactly what you're expecting, though. Who's this human one to whom God is going to hand all authority and power on earth as it is in heaven forever? we actually get an interpretation right in the passage. The angel tells Daniel right in verse 18. Check this out. I got it highlighted. But the holy ones of the Most High shall receive the kingdom and possess the kingdom forever. 
The Son of Man in this passage originally is like a collective title that's being used for God's people, the holy ones of the Most High. Daniel and his fellow refugees, who at the time of this dream are the ones being dominated by the beasts. God's going to take authority away from the beasts and hand it over to the very people they are exploiting. But I thought it was Jesus, right? Like how many people were like, no, the Son of Man, that should be Jesus. Anybody? Few people. We're going to get there. Pause that for a second. We'll circle back. But if we want to read this passage well, I think we would do well to pause for a minute, sit with this passage, and take in its original reading, the, the interpretation we get in the text itself. Because remember, this is the dream of a Jewish refugee, someone who has been dehumanized by the powers and authorities, the imperial beasts. They've taken Daniel away from his home, They've systematically destroyed his culture, replacing his clothes, his name, his language, dehumanizing him. And in this dream, when deliverance comes, when salvation arrives, when God finally shows up to set things right, their humanity is restored. They appear like a son of man. These beaten broken, dehumanized refugees who've lost everything are lifted up on the clouds. They're exalted, and their humanity is restored to them. For anyone who's ever been made to feel less than human, this is really good news. This image will become a source of hope that God's people would return to over and over again in times of trouble. They draw on this dream. It's like things might be bad now. You might be trampled on, put down. You might have had your dignity, your humanity stripped away. But remember Daniel's vision. Don't lose sight of the truth that these forces tearing away your humanity, they are the beasts. And you are the human ones. It's how Jesus actually uses this passage, like centuries later, when Rome was the, ho- the head beast in charge. Son of Man is a title Jesus used for himself. Um, in fact, it's the title Jesus uses the most often for himself. He's always talking about himself as the Son of Man. Jesus is the one who does battle with the forces of darkness. He goes around re- restoring the humanity of these oppressed people, healing them, casting out demons, restoring outsiders community. And Jesus is the one who's lifted up. He ascends into the heavens. That's a few weeks yet. We just had Easter. But before any of that happens, he's lifted up on the cross. And the crescendo of the Easter story, the climax of Holy Week, comes when Jesus is arrested and put on trial before the high priest. He's been roughed up at this point. The religious leaders mock him. They accuse him of blasphemy, spit on him. And that's when the high priest comes up to Jesus, looks him in the eye, and says, Are you the Messiah? And what does Jesus say? This was like two weeks ago. No, don't, don't give them the answer. <laughs> Go back. <laughs> well, okay, fine. We'll read it. We'll read it. Sorry. Go ahead, Gary. <clears throat> Mark 14, verse 61. Let's read it. Again, the high priest asked Jesus, 
Are you the Messiah, the Son of the Blessed One? Jesus said, I am. And you will see the Son of Man seated at the right hand of the power and coming with the clouds of heaven. He's quoting Daniel 7. Jesus is on trial before the high priest. This is a big deal. Like These people want him dead. In 12 hours, he's going to be on a Roman cross. And when he's asked point blank, are you the Messiah? He starts riffing on Daniel 7. You will see the Son of Man seated at the right hand of the power coming on the clouds of heaven. I am the human one and you are the beasts. That's what Jesus is saying here at his trial. The implications would have been crystal clear to these religious experts. He's calling them out. I'm the son of man, and you, high priest appointed by Rome, are the beast. Jesus is the son of man, and the religious elite of his day have become the beasts. So what do we do with this, religious folks? How do we read Daniel 7? How do we receive this dream faithfully as followers of Jesus who are not living under persecution, right? I mean, most of us have not endured anything close to this. We haven't been refugees, most of us. We can't relate to what Jesus went through or what Daniel was going through. How do we read this text faithfully? as relatively well-off citizens of one of the biggest superpowers the world has ever seen. I think if we're going to read this text well, it's going to present us with a hard question. Are we aligned with the suffering son of man, or are we with the beast? Have we become that high priest? When a gay kid who loves Jesus and is struggling with their own sexuality is told that they don't belong, that there's no room for them in the church, when they're told this by some priest or pastor or elder who you just know has like an internet browser history full of unrepented sexual sins, who's the suffering son of man and who's the beast? When refugees are turned away at the border sent back to, like, suffer and maybe die in countries that our government had a hand in destabilizing, who's the son of man and who is the beast? When a deranged man hopped up on conspiracy theories and lies, rams his car into a police barricade, killing an innocent police officer who is there to serve and protect, who's the son of man and who is the beast? When George Floyd was killed in the street, his neck kneeled on for almost nine minutes. No due process, no charges, no trial, no jury. And the man who killed him gets a trial with a jury of his peers and due process. Who's the suffering son of man and who's the beast? This is really hard stuff, you guys. 
There's a reason we don't talk about the second half of Daniel very often. There's a reason you haven't heard many sermons on Daniel 7 to 12. And it's not just because it's weird. It's because this stuff presents us with a really hard choice. See, we have to care about refugees because our spiritual ancestors were refugees. We have to care about outsiders and how they're treated because we were once outsiders. And when a person of color is killed unjustly without due process, we have to care because our Savior, our Lord, was a person of color killed without due process. Will we align ourselves with the suffering Son of Man who comes to restore the humanity of those who've had it stripped away? Or will we follow the imperial beast and the road that leads to wrath? Let's pray. God, we thank you. We love you and we praise you. We thank you, God, for strange dreams and visions that present us with hard choices. We thank you for the testimony of Daniel, an example of Christ who didn't mince words when confronting the unjust power structures of their day. God, this is hard for us. So give us ears to hear, hearts to receive, and wisdom to discern what you would have for us in these dreams and visions. May we hear the cry of the dehumanized and respond faithfully. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed what you heard, please be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast on iTunes. You can connect with us on Facebook at Brockport First Baptist, on Twitter at BrockportFB, and on our website, BrockportFirstBaptist.org. Our theme music was composed by Scott Holmes. This has been a production of Brockport First Baptist.